Galaxy fans and Star Wars fans, I switch it up that time. It's Joe in the pilot seat of Rule the Galaxy. Uh, I think we're at 165 episodes, episode 165 of the Rule the Galaxy podcast. And we've got some of our great regular co hosts with us tonight. We've got a special guest host tonight. So we're going to jump in and, and start just having fun talking the wars, as Mr. Brent Dykeman would say. And we're going to start with that lovely young man, Mr. Brent Dykeman. How are you, sir? Are you there? Uh, I'm doing good, but yesterday, yesterday was a. Oh, see, I think I think your conversion is causing your um, your Wi-Fi to go down a little bit. I'm good. Um, yesterday was a little bit of a heartbreaker for for my football teams, and uh, yeah, uh, the Colts didn't know how to pull one off because they can't kick field goals. Uh, your Steelers were able to finally kick a field goal after a few missed attempts. And then my Falcons, who decide to go up 23 to 13, find a way to lose it. Well, just like I, they always do. I don't know how long you've been following sports from the state of Georgia, sir, but they'll all find a way to break your heart eventually. I promise you. I'm the Braves, uh, Braves I, had a good year a few years ago. I am been a I have been a, an Atlanta Falcon fan for probably 25 years or so. About 1989 is when. Why I would you do that? Them. Why would you do that to yourself? That that's a terrible thing to do to yourself. Um, it was uh, it was Deion Sanders, my friend, back when I was oh, a kid. Deion yeah. Sanders. I played football and baseball, and he decided to take a helicopter ride from a football game to a baseball playoff game on the same day. Yes, and sir. I thought there was nothing cooler than that. Um, and it was also the year that they had Jerry Glanville as their coach, and they yep, went from yep. like the red and the black to the all black and silver. Oh, and yeah. I thought those were kind of cool uniforms. Oh, my so parents I, hated it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've been an Atlanta Falcon fan. And then, like, what was it, 98, when they decided to go with the Dirty Birds to the Super mm -hmm. Bowl? Yep. And then proceeded to get waxed by uh, Denver Broncos. Of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. All right. Well, we we've got the beginning of the sports recap. Hopefully, you guys that. can hear you can hear oh. me all right. Uh, D Doc, how are you? How was your sports weekend? I'm doing good. Uh, you know what? I think this weekend of the NFL is a product of teams just not playing anybody for the preseason. I think that's what it is. I think you get a lot of sloppy football. I don't know what the hell the kickers were doing on the off season because after the Eagles game, I was watching Red Zone and I was ripping my freaking hair out. I, I didn't know who was going to win that Steelers Bengals game. I was watching the Colts. I'm, I, here's what I don't understand about that Colts game. If you're the Texans, just try to kick a field goal and try to win the game. Don't punt the ball with five seconds left. Just see if you can make the miracle field goal for God's sakes. We're playing for ties now in the NFL. 
they need to get rid of the tie. Someone will eventually score a touchdown. I don't know. I'm out okay. on the tie though. Okay. <laughs> Steve, were you into football that much this weekend? I, I'm not, I I've never really been big into the NFL. Um, I am a, I'm a college football guy and, uh, and I have been a lifelong fan of the university of Georgia Bulldogs, or as I'm calling them this year, the national, the defending national champion university of Georgia Bulldogs. Um, yes. but hope does not stick around Georgia sports at all it, it, on any level. Uh, when the Braves won the world series last year, I said, crap, well, that does it. The dogs, there's no way the dogs will win the national title. Now they were in the hunt and they turn around, of course, and lose the sec championship game. And, but they were still able to get into the playoffs because of their good season, strong start for the dogs. They looked a little sloppy against uh, a Samford that they shouldn't have looked, but the dogs have traditionally played to their opponents. Um, which has gotten them in trouble sometimes, but uh, we'll see how it continues. The dominating team, the force to be reckoned with, the Alabama Crimson Tide, struggled down in Texas Ooh. on Saturday. And uh, horns. That, that dropped them down to number two and uh, put Georgia, the defending national champion, University of Georgia Bulldogs, at the number one spot on the AP Top 25, which I don't like. No Georgia fan likes to ever be ranked number one until the end of the season. Um, because that, because there's only, there's only one place to go from there and that is down. So. Speaking of Texas looked good and I feel bad for Oklahoma coming hey, up. That's- Texas, Texas looked very good. That was a good game. And mm-hmm. listen, if you want to see what a good solid quarterback Heisman winning quarterback looks like, go back and watch that fourth quarter and watch Bryce young slip tackles find targets, do amazing stuff that, that I was like, yeah, this kid is, he is, the hype is real on him. And once they, once Alabama will do that, sometimes they'll, they'll struggle and then they'll find their groove. And when they do, there's no stopping them. It is, they are, they are dangerous and deadly, but Texas looked really, really good. And I'm with you, Oklahoma better be ready when the red river shootout comes to town. Yeah, I, I think college football is always better when Texas is good. You know, you get you get your Alabamas, your Michigans, your Ohio States, your, you know, I, heck, I miss the U. I think the U yeah. made, made college Absolutely. football better. Absolutely. I think, I think Brent heard the U comment and just dropped away yeah. there. But Well, listen, uh, the, ACC, the ACC altogether, <laughs> like, you know, the ACC has been down for so many years outside of Clemson. Clemson. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah, the U, Florida State. You know, you oh, yeah. want to see those guys being as good as they have been traditionally. North Carolina State, I, I don't know what's going on in Nebraska over the past 10 mm. or 15 years, but, you know, I miss a solid Nebraska team. We need that Midwest for that. We need USC to be back to what they used to be. Yep. You know, it, and, and unfortunately for so many, and even over in the SEC where most of my teams are, the SEC East has been down for so long. You know, I want to see Tennessee dominating again. I want to see Florida dominating. I want to see these teams be strong teams again and it just seems like they haven't been in years and now with the portal rules and the nils oh man it's going to be even trickier for teams to keep players around and so uh welcome to espn everyone uh <laughs> welcome to rule welcome to rule the football field now well, you know, us, let's go to peyton manning with a with his colts report for this well week. peyton and eli are on my tv right now i'm watching them and um and, you know, we've got a good friend of the show ryan mcgee who is an espn guy an sec guy and we love having him on. We probably talked more football with just the four of us right there than we have with Ryan McGee, who <laughs> covers the SEC. So he's going to love it. He's going to be so happy. He is. He's gonna be like, why wasn't I on that show? Um, so, you know what, guys, I'll just throw it out there. We just had a D23 
right? A D23? Oh, did um, anything happen? I don't know. I was going to say, did anything blow your socks off? Did any, I'll go around the room. Did you go, wow? I mean, I guess the first thing that I would say kind of blew my socks off. Well, it didn't. It kind of went the other way. The thing that kind of was the biggest letdown was no new movies. No new movies. And while I've enjoyed the Disney Plus mode of Star Wars, I, I really miss going with people to the movie theater as a group, as a family and friends and watching Star Wars on the big screen. I know D-Doc just went through the Rogue One re-release, but I, I miss Star Wars at the movie theaters. Does, does that kind of let you guys down or not feel like we're going any direction on the movies here? I, I no, I, I don't, I, I'm not <laughs> surprised. I think that when you have the success that they had with the Mandalorian on 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 Disney Plus, and you know their streaming has been pretty solid. Uh, you know it's been more hits than misses with the Disney mm -hmm. streaming stuff on D on 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 Disney Plus. I think with the Mandalorian, even though Book of Boba Fett got some mixed reviews, and ultimately Obi Wan Kenobi did too. I think Obi Wan Kenobi, that final episode left everyone with a lot of goodwill toward it, the final few minutes left everyone with a lot of goodwill toward that series and so I, I think that there's been more positive buzz the andor stuff is looking really good and so people are really buzzing about what's on d23 and the truth of the matter is and it's it, no one wants to talk about it but for whatever reason under disney the star wars movies have been hit or miss at best you know with really rogue one being the strongest entry of the of the movies that made it to the big screen uh, for Disney, for Disney Star Wars. I didn't, I'll be honest with you guys. I, I didn't really see anything that came out. I, I wasn't paying attention. To, I forgot that D23 was even happening. And so there's a lot I didn't see. I, I, I watched the Andor trailer and I thought that's really intriguing. It looks mm -hmm. like they're going to kind of go a little bit in the direction of the grittiness that they were originally going to have for Rogue One. Um, I, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but apparently there was even more that came out of that. So I was shut up. I saw, oh, and I did see the Mandalorian teaser finally. And I thought, you know, I think that's looking like the Mandalorian. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. D-Doc or Brent? Yeah. I, I mean, I thought the Mandalorian trailer was awesome. I mean, I kind of spoiled myself by watching the low quality like version of it at least like 15 times before we got that actual trailer, which was just the same trailer from Star Wars Celebration in high quality they just had to hold it off on us for a couple months and i think part of that is because we didn't get many announcements that we didn't already know about from this i mean i really the the, the funny thing is is we've we've been on our andor hype we've seen a lot of trailers i'm really excited about that show but i was pleasantly surprised with the tales of the jedi uh trailer that we got from it um that was something where i was just like damn they look I, I think maybe because it's going to be like shorter format, you know, series that I think they really put a decent budget into the animation on it. Cause you know how bad batch, it looks like they almost stepped up the animation level of the clone wars. This looks like even better animation than bad batch. So uh, I'm definitely excited about that. And, you know, we got, uh, we got our bad batch release date. So we've been talking about that for a long time and, we know Bad Batch will be coming out January 4th now. September 28th was thrown out there a lot, but now it's January 4th. So I'm excited for the stuff we got coming up. Pretty much a lot of stuff we knew about. Brand, how about you? 
Uh, as far as stuff in the movie theaters, I just think that the, um, it's kind of, I look at it kind of like television. Sitcoms went away, then competition reality shows became popular, then they started going back to sitcoms. Like everything kind of has a cycle and it has what the public, when the public will want it and the public will consume it. Um, and the companies try to go based upon what's going to make them the biggest amount of money. And they spend all this money for Marvel and Star Wars, and they have put all this money into this Disney Plus, and they want to keep eyes on Disney Plus as opposed to people switching and going to the other premium services. So the more that they can put out there that's exclusive to Disney Plus, the more eyes they can keep on the Disney Plus and keep that cash cow coming. Um, so yeah, I'm not surprised that there's no movies. While I love the fact that the movie theaters, I think DDoc and I have talked about it several times, we're both in the keep the movies open, um, but we gotta, cause it's gonna make the movie better. You said the viewing experience is so much better. Like I just started watching Lord, Thor Love and Thunder. I've got 30 minutes in and I had to hit pause. So like, I've only seen about 30 minutes of Thor Love and Thunder. I, if I was in a theater, I would be sitting there all the way till the end, but I've only seen 30 minutes. I'm gonna watch it in chunks and it's gonna ruin the experience for me. I saw it in the theater. Um, it was interesting. I will say that. Uh, I love Thor. I love Thor. I love uh, Jane uh, Jane Foster, right? Is that Jane Foster yeah. and Natalie Portman? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, there's a lot of characters in that movie that I like. It was just an interesting take on Thor. So, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, look, it, it's interesting because Disney paid the same amount for Marvel, their Marvel acquisition um, in 2012 that they did basically for their Lucasfilm acquisition in 2015. They paid about $4 billion for Marvel. Marvel has paid off much more handsomely for them, unfortunately, mm -hmm. than, than Star Wars has and, and Lucasfilm has. But it's, it's in, they bought Marvel in the middle of yeah, the... That's why. In yep. the middle of the MCU. Iron Man had happened... If you go back, they bought Marvel between Thor Three. and Avengers, and or not, okay. I, 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 maybe not even between Thor and Avengers, but they bought Marvel. And and I remember at the end of you know the Paramount, they still had Paramount deals with the films and everything that had to be handled. Um, but moving forward, it went all Disney, and and it's really kind of intriguing to see you know there was already a path they were on, and so they kept that path, kept people intact. When they bought Lucasfilm, man, it was a clearing of the houses and and a resetting of the pieces on the board. You know, it was it was really kind of a they they gutted that they gutted that thing once they bought it and before they started to relaunch everything and, and redo everything. So it's a different strategy with both of those properties. It's interesting. It is a different strategy, and here's what I think both both properties are running into right now. They've both hit the wall, and they're trying to find new and they're trying to find a foothold because you have your legacy characters at the MCU that is starting to die away mm -hmm. and they're they're just not as popular as they were and they know that certain people have left um, and they're trying to find and keep and cultivate those new those new characters and bring on new crowds <clears throat> same concept that Disney tried to do with the sequel trilogy and I think they're both running into that yeah not doing the greatest amount of work to sell it to the public, to the general public or whatever, they're running into the same kind of brick wall with the new, 
I, I disagree a little bit. I don't think that those characters, those legacy characters, are not as popular as they were. I okay. think they're just gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think, <laughs> well, so it's not. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not the legacy characters. It's just they they want to move on from those legacy they want, characters. They want to move on from legacy characters. But what right. we've discovered, I'll tell you, as a comic collector from way back, what I, or a comic reader from way back, what I discovered all the time is anytime you try to put someone in place of a legacy character, it didn't work out for very long. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a hard sell to replace a legacy character. DC was able to do it but remember they had to have it they had to explain away with being on different worlds so yeah you know you you could have barry allen flash not be jay garrick anymore you could have but you look at their main legacy characters when batman was gone for a minute you you know the, people would not accept dick grayson as batman as much as we want to think they would or of course back in the 90s john paul whatever his name is Azrael as batman as bats uh no one has ever been able to replace superman the real superman you know no one's ever been able to replace diana as wonder woman and um but even hal jordan like there are people who are kyle rainier guys people who are hal jordan guys people who are john stewart guys when it comes to green lantern dc has found a way to do it marvel never really did and i think it's because marvel characters were always as fantastical as they are they're very much more reality based and so when you see Iron Man die, it is more of a gut punch. Mm-hmm. Um, when you see when you mm-hmm. see Steve Rogers as an old man, you know, it, it's more of a gut punch. And and it really does feel kind of hopeless. And it's like, well, what now? After we spent right. a, a decade with these characters, we've got to now have these new characters right. come in and just take up the mantle. And yeah, it's a hard sale. And but the other thing is, you know, what what are they going to do as they're writing the shows? I think one of the problems. You're watching. I don't want to mess up Love and Thunder for you, but I watched it the other night as well. And and one of the things I kept coming back to is is like Thor, who is a character I love and have always enjoyed in the comics. Um, he he gets played as kind of an idiot for most mm-hmm. of the movie. And and I and I don't want to taint your viewing of it oh. by by giving that review out out you know outside of everything. But there there are moments where if you go back to the original Thor, it was funny. It was lighthearted. But Thor wasn't a fool. He was just unworthy. You know, he was just arrogant and unworthy, and he had to learn his lesson. Same thing in Dark World. And, and so I think people look at Fat Thor from Endgame and think, oh, he's just a joke. No, that was a Thor dealing with real trauma and PTSD and depression and all those things, you know. And, and this tries to kind of play off of that a little bit, but it doesn't do the best job, I don't think. And, um, and I think that there's, for whatever reason, the people they've got coming in are kind of, messing up some of those legacy characters and who they were for you know to make way for the new stuff and that's just it's one of those hard things to kind of figure out sometimes creatively i guess and the other the other thing that i will throw out there and this kind of goes to the marketing strategy of the current population of uh viewers my daughter is watching she hulk with me Mm -hmm. um it is the absolute first superhero movie that she has sat down to watch cool or superhero genre that she's ever sat down and watched and she said at the end of maybe the second episode, you know, I think I like the TV shows better. It's just, I don't have to put in like two and a half hours to watch it. <laughs> well, And like, she's 10, she's yeah, 10 yeah. going on 11. And she's kind of the target audience, maybe a little bit young, but she's about the target audience for what they Marvel once was that She-Hulk show. She loves it. She watches it. She's digging it. 
And it's cool for me to have that thing, to have it with her. And she asked me questions about it. And she's like, who's Wong? Cause he showed up a few oh, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah. it's like, it's, it's like, like there's a part that my the nerd part of me is like, this is awesome. She's getting hooked into the nerd stuff, <laughs> but it's also because it's a 30 minute move or the 30 minutes. Yeah. It's, it's a short burst and the generation. And that's the, that's what scares me about going back to the movies to bring it back to the original question that got us all on this mm-hmm, tangent. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with the movies is are we creating too many of these? The generation that we have right now, are they more focused on the short hit quick as opposed to being able to invest two hours? We've, we've created an entire society. I mean, it's not just the younger ones. I mean, people our age sure. have now gotten completely hooked on, I can watch what I want when I want from my couch, get my food, go to the bathroom, let the dog out, all those things and still watch what I want to watch. I, I think it's going in that direction for everything, but I think, unfortunately, it's just missing out on a great experience that people mm. aren't, well, aren't going to have a lot in the future. Well, Joey, you're an old man, so you're saying something like that, but but I think we all remember, because we're all kind of older men, we, we remember when movies were special. Yes. You know, I, I remember... Um, growing up as a kid we didn't go to movies all the time and man when movie rental became a thing that was an event on the weekend to go rent a movie and you'd spend time Mm -hmm. watching it so then as i got older and got my own spending money and that sort of thing especially getting to college you know you get your hollywood video membership your blockbuster membership and you know and and you were and you were going through and then the dollar movie theater started popping Mm -hmm. up and you're like oh this is the life but but somewhere along the way that experience because we became so my i know my generation became so entertainment obsessed and so movie obsessed i mean we grew up on movie quotes that's you know there there in in college we prided ourselves on being able to have mm-hmm. conversations in nothing but tommy boy quotes so, <laughs> you know and, so and, here to here right it's not here, so much here here <laughs> you look like a helen let me tell you why camera ads like <laughs> 10 pounds and, and yeah go ahead b-duck i'm sorry i'm <laughs> yeah I'm I, here talking i this is this is just my own theory too i think part of it is is it's like i'm a younger parent i'm 31 i have young kids and i'll talk to other parents you know with kids around my my kids age and a lot of them like are too nervous to take their kids to the movie theaters i think that that's not passed down enough i feel like is that might just be me and that just might be the small group of people that i've experienced it with but i think people are like afraid of their kids not being able to sit in a movie theater so like joe said you have the option in front of you if your kids are going to watch a movie you're going to make the popcorn and set it up your house to try to make it special i mean here's the thing too projectors and screens are very accessible right now i have a projector and a screen where i can throw up the big screen movie at my house myself so there's a lot of access to a lot of things but i don't know if you guys saw that amc struck a deal with disney today uh that was another thing was um yeah i brought that up on my phone uh adam aaron uh he basically announced that they just made a deal with disney plus for subscribers to get perks at amc theaters and it says that there's going to be special screenings at amc theaters so i wonder if we might start to see some of these shows pop up, you know, only pay $5, show your Disney plus subscription, you know? So that gives, that brings me to think about like the New York Met, like the opera, they'll throw the opera up 
uh, the New York Met Opera in like, you can go to Indianapolis and watch it at AMC mm-hmm. theaters. So there are ways they're kind of that same kind of thing, but it's also what you were talking, uh, as you were talking, it was reminding me of you taking your son to Rogue One. They re-released Rogue One and I believe that it's, it jumped up there, right? It was like one of the highest performing IMAX movies. I just saw a preview or like a, a statement that Avatar is going to get re-released back into the IMAX again after 10 or 15 years. Oh, why? Oh, because there's another one coming out <laughs> soon, right? So there's a part of me that thinks, okay, maybe we can start getting people back and see if there's proof of concept by re-releasing some of these shows and some of these older movies back into the theaters and just keep promoting or re-promoting some of that old stuff um, just to see if we can get people back and tie them back into the new stuff we're trying to put out. Yep. Hey, uh, give me, give me, give me Clone Wars season seven, Siege of Mandalore as one movie in, <laughs> yeah. in the theater. I'll go see that in a heartbeat. Well, so. you, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, AMC has also done a big push to try to get people to go back to the movies and it's become kind of a cultural thing amongst moviegoers, the whole, um, Nicole Kidman deal before the movie starts you know she comes on talking about we're back and all this stuff and and it's even become a thing in some markets where people are like cheering her when she pops up and that sort of thing I I, but it used to what I was saying earlier was you know it did used to be special and I think that because of the ease with which we can consume Mm -hmm. content now because of uh, because of the screen babies that were that people are raising you know where where children know how to use an iPad and swipe before you know, before they're, before they're able to read, um, you know, it, it, the, the, the level of attention and, and that sort of thing go seems to be shortened. And so, yeah, I can see where your daughter would say it, it's nice to be able to just sit here and watch a small chunk where I'm like, I want the whole thing. Uh, you know, I want, let's, let me sit down and, and watch this whole thing and, and, and get it over with and see how it's going to turn out and see what's going to happen. Um, it, I, you know, I felt that way with, one of the things I have liked about what they've done with the Star Wars content, particularly, is is they've tried to make those as cinematic as possible. You know, they, they especially with certain scenes, and I'm thinking particularly with Mandalorian season two. There were moments that were just absolutely gorgeously shot and cinematic. You think of that wide shot of them coming up out of the crate dragon in that first episode. You know, that's just a as he's flying out of there. It's just a beautiful kind of shot thing, and then in Boba Fett when they go back to Freetown and Cad Bane is there and and uh and him and Til- Tim- uh, what's the guy's name Timothy Oliphant. yeah Cobb Vanth are there um you know that's I mean it's just a beautifully shot those were beautifully shot moments and and they are very very cinematic but then you also there are moments where it's like well this is a tv show and there were stuff and there was stuff in Obi-Wan where it's like ah, oh, this was really they didn't get their lining quite right on this one did they you know and um and it's 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 funny because i earlier joe and i were talking about i brought up the the smallville from back in the early 2000s when smallville decided to do the fortress of solitude um i've been privileged enough to talk to to different um actors from the show back in the day when i was doing the smallville podcast and um and and one of them was brian austin green who actually was on the fortress set and Brian was talking about, it's like he said, guys, that is what we call movie magic there, camera magic, because it seems like this vast, you know, Arctic space. He's like, it could fit in your garage, that set, you know, and it's just like, and this is the, you know, 2010 era of, of 
filmmaking 2008 2009 2010 on tv and i'm like if they could do that in 08 09 <laughs> then they can they can do a little better lucasfilm and disney can do a little better with some of their tv shots and i don't say that to be critical i say that, that you know to say that that's my only issue with some of the stuff on disney plus is sometimes you can tell it's made for tv and and but then there's other times where it's just beautifully cinematic i'm like oh i wish i were in a theater seeing this on the big screen you know it, it's interesting well i i oh go ahead Brent. i was just gonna say, i truly think that COVID had a lot to do with Boba oh yeah and, yes yeah but because like if you look at mandalorian season one and a little bit of madison and mandalorian season mandalorian season two um there was beautiful stuff and good usage of the the volume and you wouldn't even know that you were in the volume like the scene where mando gets kicked off of the speeder bike and he gives the jetpack mm-hmm. to the to mm-hmm. whoever has the jetpack and he goes flying up right i guarantee you that that shot was on the volume and it was just mando handing over the jetpack and there was nothing else there yeah. and that whole desert background was the volume and you would have no idea one i think it's also because feloni and Favreau, more so Favreau, because he's kind of the baby of making and doing some of that stuff, knows how to use it. But two, I think COVID really limited what they could do. And I think Mm -hmm. that hurt some of those special effects for Obi-Wan and for Boba Fett. I I will go to the grave thinking that some of that production quality that everybody talks badly about is because of the, the lack of attention to detail and being at home versus being on set and having the creative juices with a group and a team together as opposed to being on the zoom and then going and working on it and coming back to a zoom meeting well going back to taking all this back and talking about the quality and everything else going back to the list of things from from d23 and what's coming out um i think we're all of the opinion that andor looks very cinematic right now the things we're seeing makes us feel like it's going in the right direction with with the story the the look and everything like that of it i think we're all excited about that i think mando season three which comes out in february um so far we've had two seasons we don't have really anything where we're like whoa bump the brakes we feel like it's going the right direction we're going to see plenty more mandalorians which i think let's let's face it mandalorians sell so i think we're going to see that <clears throat> but i i I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with D Doc there and tell and say that um, the next thing that really stood with me was Tales of the Jedi, and I, after watching Clone Wars, after watching Rebels, seeing Bad Batch, and, and the way they've they've really continuously improved the animation, I have 100% faith in in Disney Lucasfilm animation to where this Tales of the Jedi Bad Batch season two. I, I have a feeling it's just going to be beautiful. And, and I'm looking forward to those as much as I'm looking forward to Mando season three and Andor because I just think they're, they're done so well. Um, so that's the animation to me just keeps getting better and better all the time. Go ahead, Brent. Six episodes for a total of 30 minutes. It doesn't really excite me. That's all it is. I didn't know it was it's, only no, that. No, there's only, to my knowledge, there's only six episodes, three with Dooku and three with Ahsoka. Oh, I thought they were like six. 20 minute episodes they're only five minutes short well i don't know i don't know the length of time i'm being very facetious when i say that but i from what i understand and then the the details that i have heard there are only a total of six episodes i knew that and and they are short form so they when i hear short form i'm thinking visions and visions would range from 15 from 5 to 15 so we're talking an hour and a half maybe of animation all right so like 
I, I think you can also I think you can also look at that as a bit of a backdoor pilot in some instances. Um, I, I that that era pre prequel stuff especially is something that a lot of people are interested in, mm-hmm. and and I think that um, that what you may be seeing is just kind of a test to see can we can we do this and make it really you know pop for audiences um if you I, i'm sure you guys remember the micro series oh, yeah. um the, the clone wars micro mm-hmm. series that happened before episode three um you know those those started out as gee whiz i think the first season the first little season were like two and a half minute long episodes maybe maybe five minutes the most and by the time you got to the end of that series they were doing five minutes six minutes seven minutes they were they had tripled basically almost it felt like in the size of what they were doing um it, it, with with the Tartakovsky uh, micro series and so i think that you may see something similar with this potentially um especially you know if it's if feloni has a desire to go down that path even further because you know i i think one of the lessons that maybe lucasfilm has learned is like let's let feloni do his thing you know <laughs> i'm hoping they've learned that because he he is he learned at the feet of the master you know he he knows how to make star wars so um i'll be I, and i'll confess here i've not watched one second of the bad batch I, really? I i have not yeah it the the clone aspect doesn't appeal to me the way the jedi aspect does and so mm-hmm. tales of the jedi is something i'm much more intrigued by than than the than the bad batch of the clones and i know that's a you know that there there's a huge contingency of fans that love the clone stuff and so the bad batch is, is right up their alley it just wasn't something that was up my alley and i found i was able to not watch it and not feel like i was missing out on anything i think the one thing that really draws me to it i mean one i love the animation side of things but two the the ending of the season um I think for you, Steve, if you watch how they try to wrap up the end and what it leads to, it might perk your interest to say, well, where, where is this going next with, uh, with what they just showed me here? Mm -hmm. So that, that part, there were some, there were some adventures of the week. Wouldn't you agree, Brent? There were some, Hey, we're going to do some popcorn in and out. But by the time it wrapped to the end, you're like that, uh, that might mean something right there. I need to see where that's going. All right, so I don't feel like I'm gonna like. Are you a big spoiler person? Like, because because he's leading to something that I think you actually would buy into (laughs) with your Star Wars. They take Tonwi to Mount Tantiv. Tantus. Mount Tantiv. Yes. Tantus. Tantus. Sorry. Wait on Wayland. On Wayland. Yeah, yeah. Listen, when you said Mount Tantiv, I was thinking what you. uh, Yeah, that's out of the air of the empire that's straight 100 yeah. percent. Yeah. so what i'm telling you that was like that is like the last scene is they you they show like republic commando type uh clones protecting the mount tantive with ton Wee going there and the guy who looks like the uh baby grogu um camino in walking alongside um from episode three of the first season, you know what I'm right, talking about. Right, the yeah, scientist yeah. guy. The scientist guy. guy. Yes, yeah. I, I don't know, but yeah, but he's walking along Tan Wee into Montana. So like, wow. so yeah, that's what he was alluding to. And I was going to go ahead and let you know. No, no they didn't give any name. Did, Disney did uh, say later that's what it is. 
Okay. Shut your mouth. That's awesome. That's yeah. Crazy. Like, so, so like, that's like, that's what he was getting at to try to get you to watch it. Um, <laughs> but I feel like you probably wouldn't watch it anyway. So I'm going to go ahead and share that information I'm not, with I'm you. Not, I'm not, I've never been opposed to spoilers, man. Okay. I went into Attack of the Clone <laughs> knowing everything and I tried to avoid spoilers for Revenge of the Sith and it just didn't happen, you know? So, so um, yeah, no, that was something that blew everybody away when we saw it. Like that was like, oh, wow. Because, yeah. I, because it looks like, right? I mean, they're trying to put all of the universes together to make one big universe and they're actually yeah. bringing that together. And it looks like it's going to be the Grogu, like you can see down the line where the Grogu and the M count from the Mandalorian could come back to what they're doing here in the Bad Batch. But if that dude's around then, he's got to be pretty old by the, so, I mean. So I don't know if it's the same guy. I'm just saying it was the guy was wearing the uniform right. and it looked, and it looked look. like that. It looked well, like that. Well, that tells me is he's probably a clone, huh? Possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. But there was no. There was, no Jaru, there was no Jaru Sabayoff. There was right. no Jaru uh, Sabayoff. There was no hands floating around. There was right. not. But, but look. Although, <laughs> although in the Bad Batch, they had killed some Jedi, and the Bad Batch come back to see it, and there's Jedi with their, their hands hanging out of the uh, gurneys that the, the clones are carrying off, and you're thinking, man, maybe they're taking those recently killed Jedi to Mount Tantus on Wayland or you've got the material to they very well could be like and that would play into a lot of what the emperor's thing is remember there's one there's one little plot thread from the uh from from the clone wars that never really got uh dug into and that was the big uh godzilla beast the zillow beast as yep. it were and what happened to him when he was dead the emperor's like you know get a sample we want to study him. you know basically clone him is what they want to do and I... i'm like think zillow beast might be making a return sometimes shut your mouth again no, I think I think I've heard Zillow Beast might be involved in Bad Batch season two. And to go one more step with that Mount Whalen and the cloning stuff, that one weird scene in Obi-Wan where they're in the all of everything is in amber. Mm-hmm. How could if if that's where they're going, I mean that could bring that back in as well. And that, yeah. that's actually what they're doing with all of those Jedi force sensitives in, encased in amber, like right. uh, what is it, Jurassic Park? Mm-hmm. Jurassic mm-hmm. Park uh, mosquitoes, which that's that always weirded cool. me out, but that's okay. Anyway, wow. um, yeah. So uh, you know, I'm just we just wanted to throw that your way, Steve. So in case you said, "Hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to take some free time and go buzz through Bad Batch season one before February," I don't know that's if I that's... will. I, I don't know if that's got me there, but I love. <laughs> I like the idea. You know, I. It's interesting. You know, it's what people call fan service, which I don't think there's anything in this world wrong with fan service. I think the more fan service, the better. Why not? Why wouldn't you give if you can do fan service at and not, you know, and not cause the story to suffer because of fan service, then you've done a great job, you know, Mm -hmm. because you've made everybody happy. So, yeah, I, I think that's a great bit of fan service. I think that's a that's a great piece of business there. Bring it, hey, bringing if, that back around. If you can bring the Zon trilogy into the mainstream, even if it's squeezed in and, and serpentined in through different layers and different timing, I, I think people would. Yeah. Lose I, well, their I mind. think, I think what you'll see is, is just more or less digging, using elements from all of that original expanded universe stuff 
and and taking what what they can to use on that. I don't I don't think you're ever going to see a straight adaptation no. of, of the Zon trilogy. Though I would love to see, and I've wanted for years to see an animated adaptation of the Zon trilogy. I would love that. Disney Plus has got a lot of they got droids and Ewoks on there. Why not do a series of that? People would buy that up in a minute. Go ahead, Brent. Now, D Doc and Joe, you guys were watching the D23, and I saw the report of the young man who was reported to be Ezra. Did they say that at D23? Because what you're talking about is elements of that Zon trilogy. If they're reported to, and like, I, I don't know if it's true or not, because I don't believe anything anymore, because who knows? But if they're signing somebody to be Ezra, then Thrawn has to be on the way. And like either they're going to keep him quiet or he's already signed, but Thrawn's got to be there. And if you're going to bring Thrawn in in that setting, they're got to bring they're going to bring him in in some other way as well. They have to. Well, with uh, with with in, in Mandalorian season two, Ahsoka was mm -hmm. looking for Thrawn, you know. Right. But I didn't watch it. Did they announce an Ezra? Yeah. Yeah, man. so was that yeah. on d23 or was that just reports from people like leaks and stuff they, they didn't announce it at d23 but it's like the actor addressed that he got the role and also the guy who played aladdin addressed like i'm relieved that this is over he was like all i did was send in like a five minute audition you know uh, you know, I would have liked to play the part, but I'm happy for him that he got the role. So it's like oh. there were there was the the people involved in it actually finally were just like, yeah, this is it. He's the one who's playing him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I assume that this Ahsoka series is going to be big time live action Rebels based. Well, have they announced a, a Hera? Because I know that people talk about Hera being in there, but, but they have okay. actually announced that there is a so they got Sabine, they got Hera, they got Ezra. Yep, confirmed. Okay, hmm. that's interesting. That see that'll that'll get me tuned in to to go back to the rebel stuff and spend some time there. I also, um, but here's the thing: when I get those reports anymore, these is like you said, Brent. You never know who's lying. Like there was, I saw a whole video someone did on the casting news from the Fantastic Four movie, and they did not put any casting movie news out there for the Fantastic Four. And nope. I was like, is this legit? Is this real? But it was like it's it's amazing to me that people still do this mess and 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 though it's like as though it is legit and uh and of course you know i'm i'm going to double check it as i went and did and found out there was no casting news mentioned for the fantastic four so hey which i know that the fans were disappointed in that they people wanted that big don't, time don't they want krasinski to be reed richards i mean isn't that what everybody's pushing for well he Mark. was you know in yeah. dr strange and i I think they, they announced him at D23 in Marvel. They put up a bunch of pictures of like the next people and Kaczynski's face was up there. Uh, and then like the girl from Killing Eve, the Russian chick mm, from Killing Jody Eve. Comer. It, yeah, she's going to be in a Marvel show. I don't know what kind of role because I didn't watch any of it. I just saw that there was a screenshot and on that screenshot was a bunch of faces yeah, but of people see, that's, that will that's be one in those Marvel. Things, that's one of those things people will fake sometimes though. <laughs> But it was at the time of, I, you're right, but it's at the time of the D23, uh, like the Marvel panel of the D23. It was on Saturday mm -hmm. uh, as I was watching the Texas and Alabama game. I flipped to social media and saw that picture show up. Again, you're right. Somebody might fake it, but Kaczynski's face was there and so was Comer's yeah. from Killing Eve. 
I, I will say about the cast that they have for the Ahsoka show is you look at these actors and actresses that they've chosen for it and you're just like, holy crap, these are the real life versions of the characters. Like, as far as looks go, they look identical to them. Like Sabine, the girl who's going to play Hera, like they're all just like dead on. And we already know what Ahsoka looks like in live action. So they I, found a green human being. Well, she just she just has her facial features. I, I don't know the girl's it? name. I have a picture of her. Uh, you, it doesn't always show well on my phone. Okay. Um, yeah. But, no. I, yeah. You're good. No, yeah. I was just being facetious when you said they look just like him. I'm like, well, there's, a, there's a green human being. I mean, I know yeah. Will Shatner had a had a fling with one, but. <laughs> um, I'm looking here real quick. Steve, did, did you find the picture that I was talking about? I, it... I'm just looking up. <clears throat> this uh this person i just typed in jody comer marvel and um i've got the hollywood reporter here and checking out a quick little thing um casting for the thunderbolts captain america new order the secret invasion trailer looks really good by the way the werewolf oh, yeah. by night is a neat little thing they're doing um Henry Cavill and Jodie Comer in the MCU, or what they didn't get, this is fans, what fans didn't get was Henry Cavill and Jodie Comer in the MCU are complete castings for the Fantastic Four. Um, so I think you might have been... Uh, duped? Been a little duped, yeah. Well, because then John Boyega, now that I remember the picture, John Boyega's face was on it too, that's, which I think, but I think he's, is that the Fantastic Four crew that they were talking about having? That's the, well, see, that's the big thing that people have faked out. Like people okay. have made fake casting announcements with him and her and then henry cavill is dr doom okay and none of that is true yeah so none of that's so true. i could have been faked out which is fine that's why i'm yeah. bringing I, like i'm not sitting here saying that i heard it right like right right yeah. I, that's why i'm asking people who are a lot more in the know of the nerd culture than i am yeah everything i've read about um the krasinski thing is they're pretty much saying that was something just because fans always pictured him being uh mr fantastic or whatever and that that kind of was like as as we get on to the topic of fan service it was kind of like fan service what they did in multiverse of madness which i haven't seen that yet myself but i I've, the internet has blessed me with seeing what happens there um but i i've read that they're not going to move on with krasinski in that role mm -hmm. i i read that it was just only a little thing that they were going to do but i mean listen to all the people that we've said so far i mean i know that in the marvel circles of the internet fantastic forecasting there i've seen so many actors and actresses thrown out there i think people are just throwing you know what at the wall to see if it sticks at this point well and that's and that's one of the things i i'd mentioned earlier and this is true in star wars fandom marvel fandom you know just about any fandom you get that fans decide they want something and they feel like if they go on and and tweet about it instagram it TikTok about it enough that it, they're going to receive what they want and if they don't get it they're going to pitch a fit and everything's wrong and everything's bad and nothing's good and you know and they're, they're going to review bomb it like yeah. what's happening with like the lord of the uh the lord of the rings trilogy and i know you guys talked about it i don't want to go into too much detail ddoc but they're going to review bomb it like everything's gotten like the wheel of time the uh rings of whatever rings of power and then the game of thrones one yeah mm -hmm. Well, I know that I'm a Fantastic Four from, fan from way back, and I don't care who's cast necessarily. I, you know, as long as it ends up being a well, a, a well represented, as long as the Fantastic Four is represented well, 
look in the in the in the early this is a star wars podcast guys i'm sorry in those in the <laughs> tim story films fantastic four and the rise of the silver surfer mm -hmm. um both of those first two movies i wasn't thrilled about the cast but the spirit of the fantastic four was in those movies and and done very well in fan four stick back in 2015 or whatever it was 2012 it, is that, that the shia labeouf cool. is that the shia labeouf one no that is um that's miles teller of all people oh, miles hey. teller not shia labeouf yeah listen it was a great cast miles teller kate mara uh, uh uh michael b jordan wonderful wonderful strong actors terrible movie you know it just and and so because the story was bad the script was bad they were trying to go with the ultimate fantastic four rather than a classic fantastic four and so uh you know i it, it it's the same thing across the board i don't care who's casting as long as the heart and soul of the characters are there and sometimes mm -hmm. a good casting can bring that about robert downey jr you know harrison ford as han solo is is a classic thing like you can't we've seen other people try you know bless alden aaron rice's heart he did okay but you know there was no amount of young harrison ford in his his performance it, it took a river phoenix way back in the day to really capture the attitude and the essence of what a young harrison ford would be you know in that opening sequence of uh, last crusade so um yeah I, it it that that's the thing andor is is interesting because you know, Diego Luna was such a neat character and, and, and Cassian was such a neat mm -hmm. character that that as long as you're surrounding him with good stories and stuff, I, that's going to be an interesting growth to see happen and to know his end in Rogue One, to know where we're headed, you know, to know his destiny. It, you know, that's there's but, not a lot of danger for him in the series, but you kind of know where he's going. And so it's all about his journey. Well, it's like you talked about with, with Iron Man, that gut punch, I think, having 24 episodes to really get to know this character better yeah and have that at the end make, people are going to rogue one yeah make if, if the series yeah. is good it makes rogue one that much better yep and listening to tony gilroy because i i watched the disney plus thing uh earlier today um right before i started thor um they talk about characters first characters second characters third characters fourth <laughs> like in the lead up to it tony gilroy and diego luna were talking about it before they showed the actual clip mm -hmm. and it was a good five to seven minutes of saying as much as they could to say that this is character driven we want to make sure the characters are there the characters mean something they're there for a reason it's all about the characters it's driven through this like so they're focused on the story and the characters mm -hmm. which i think leads for it to be something that is what i'm hoping for it to be yeah, I'm 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 excited about that aspect of this too because I mean, if you're watching Rings of Power, if you're watching House of the Dragon, I mean, you could go through an an episode. I mean, they're all hour long episodes, but you could go through an episode where you're watching 45 minutes of dialogue and story building, and then you might only get that 10 or 15 minutes of action in it. But like the action pays off better when you feel this connection to the characters and i mean i think the mandalorian is good at doing that as well in the shorter amount of times i think that's why people enjoy the mandalorian is because he's built some relationships you know throughout that show where you've gotten to enjoy that dialogue and you don't have to you know star wars doesn't have to worry about action all the time i mean it's 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 almost about the just the overall feel of it and with this andor show i it feels like everything's going to be pretty dire stakes in it when you're seeing the trailer for it, you know? I think that's any entertainment is you've got to feel it. It's got to make you feel something. 
And the way you're going to feel is by being invested in the characters and, and the mm -hmm. story that they're going through. And I think that that was one of the, the, the things that caused me to be a little bit disappointed in like the book of Boba Fett is I never felt in those, in, in the, in that series, you know, for any of those characters, there were glimpses where I'd get excited. Like I love black Krasanskin or whatever, however, black Krasansky. Um, <laughs> I'm black Krasansky of Krasansky's auto type. Um, I, I really like, <laughs> like Krasanton or whatever his name Big is. Big time Callahan of Callahan Auto Parts. Yeah, Callahan Auto Parts. Uh, Hey, <laughs> you got a little bit of heavy on the pine tree perfume there, kid. Um, but you stick up your head up and ask. That's Play right. I can, I can tell you what a T-bone looks like, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. Um, no, it's got to be your bull. Um, but the, uh, but, but the, but all, overall, like I wanted to get invested in some things. And for whatever reason, the pacing or, or, or something just caused me not to feel the way that I, you know, mm -hmm. that Star Wars generally makes me feel. Whereas Mandalorian from that opening scene, I, you know, I, I go back to that, the, the way we're introduced to him walking into that bar in the middle of no frozen nowhere, mm -hmm. you know, and just walking up to the bar and immediately there's a quick bar fight. You've learned everything you need to know about this character as he walks over to the blue dude and is like, I can take you in warm or I can take you in cold, <laughs> you know, and you're like, he'll take him in cold. He doesn't mind. <laughs> and and so in that in that introduction you learn all you need to know same thing with cassie and andor in in rogue mm -hmm. one we were introduced to him and we learned all we need to know that he was mm -hmm. he was going to get the mission accomplished you know and so to have a series that shows where he came from and how he got to that mindset that um that would cause him to die in an embrace with someone who was still a relative stranger though they'd had an adventure together you know on the shores of a of an imperial planet you know, where does he, what happened to this kid's life? And he said, you know, there's some things sick. he's done that he wasn't proud of. And I think it's going to be an interesting series. Go ahead. To, to take what you said, Steve, on the podcast before, um, and you said something about the things that Obi-Wan, the Obi-Wan series did well, they did really well. And I think I'm going to tie into just what you just said, because the things that they did really well is when you could feel those moments. Mm -hmm. Um, one of those moments would be the first time Vader shows up and starts walking down that street and just snaps the kid's neck. And like, there was something about that that was all Darth Vader. And there was that, that there was, that scene was amazing. Um, I felt for Ned and Tala, like that was like, mm -hmm. I, they did a, they drew me in for whatever story, but I had a, like, I'm, I'm pissed that Tala is dead. Like, I really want to see more Tala and I'd love Ned. Like he's, he came across he was only on for the screen for maybe two minutes but i loved ned like so that those moments are what drew me in and like you said i think to take what you said what obi-wan did well was make you connect at certain times and they missed because you weren't connected fully you weren't fully vested because of x y or z who knows everybody has a different reason why they didn't connect but it just missed for whatever reason but you guys know that I am the light side guy. I, I like everybody. I like the good guys to win. I like it. Everything in with a happy, you know, happy ending in the story, all that kind of stuff. But even that, if you take the Darth Bane trilogy, it was just the books, but the feeling of the characters drew me in. These are all evil characters, right? These are people wanting to, be the Sith and control the, the, the galaxy and all this stuff. 
then you take in shows like the Americans uh, on, on FX. I don't know if you guys watch that. The Russian spies in America, bad guys love the entire show. You take a show like Ozark, which is not my, my cup of tea. Right. But I felt for the characters and they were written so well that I couldn't turn away. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what you want. You want things like that to draw you in and just go. It's, so. it's, it's professional wrestling. You know, you, you, you want to feel you. It, it's one thing for, and I've been a wrestling fan my whole life, you know, and like, I can watch a good match and appreciate a good wrestling match, you know, where two great performers are out there doing things. And you're like, this is awesome. Clap, 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 clap. But the things that you talk about for years are, man, remember when they broke Dusty Rhodes' leg and he came back and he did the hard times promo back in 85, 86. And, and he stood there in front of that studio audience and he, and he talked about, you know, hard times, daddy is when you work for, for a place for 30 years, 30 years, and they show you out the door and say, a computer took your job. That's hard times. Ric Flair put hard times on the American dream. And now I'm reaching out to you. And here's the thing. You don't remember, you know, you can say, yeah, I saw Sami Zayn and so-and-so do a great match one time, but man, the feud and the anger and the personal issues that go on, you know, you can, there's a lot you can say about, I remember one time when Cactus Jack fought so-and-so, but I remember where I was when I saw Mick Foley take a dive off of the top of hell in a cell. And I saw him as they pushed him up the ramp on the stretcher, stop them and get off the stretcher and walk back down to that ring. That's and, and in that moment, I felt something, you know, if you watch that match, it's not a good match because Nick Mick Foley's out on his feet for most of the time. But when he walked, when he got off that stretcher and walked back down, that's the point where you start cheering for that man and rooting that man on. And there's a great angle of that whole moment. And I know I'm talking to just maybe 10% of the population right now, <laughs> but I've only seen it one time. It was in like some kind of recap special at the end of the year where they showed a reverse angle and you could see the undertaker's face across the cage. Like he had started to climb back down and there was a look of shock on his face, like legitimate shock on Taker's face as Mick Foley is stumbling back down to the ring. And you're like, yes, this is what it is all about. <laughs> you know, Hulk Hogan and The Rock standing in the middle of the ring. Their match was not good. But as the crowd erupted at these two iconic people standing in a ring together, listen, if you can get even an ounce of that feeling out of any piece of entertainment based on the story that has brought you in, you know, the dilemma of these characters about, or the love you have for a character as they go through what they're going through, then that's all you need. You know, you can talk about the science of script writing and the science of character development and all this, but there's no science to feeling. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to make things. And, and that's why star Wars has stood the test of time. That's why other different properties are because they made us feel something. Mm -hmm. Whenever you talk to anyone who was there in 1977, in those months as it was rolling out across the United States, and they saw it, they can tell you what they felt when they came walking out. It was like nothing they'd ever seen. And so I think that a lot of us, we give Star Wars a big pass sometimes because we're just hoping for that again. I remember how I felt walking out of the Phantom Menace, I felt wonderful. 
I felt elated. I was, we went to McDonald's and we grabbed straws and we're like waiting on our orders, sword fighting, you know, lightsaber fighting with straws. And we were, you know, we're, oh, we're college graduate age, basically 22, 23 years old, loving life, you know? And, and, and so I think that we give Star Wars a pass because of all the good feelings it's given us. And, and any, and, and so when Star Wars works on that level, you're right, Brent, man, it's, you feel. And, uh, and so that's what I'm hoping we get from Andor. Me too. I'm pumped right now, Steve, you got me going. I don't even like pro wrestling, but I'm thinking about going and watching some. I'm just going to throw out my little feeling was when I think it was Yokozuna threw Undertaker in the, into the uh, casket. Yes. And I thought he was done. And then yes. all of a sudden he appears on, yes. this, on the, the screen, on the screen he's and, he, and he's up above the screen. Royal Rumble 94, man, I think is when it was. Yeah, that was the casket match with those two. I, I definitely had a feeling on that one, man. There's another amazing. one. Remember, there was a, there was a period of time. <laughs> T-Duck wasn't even the alive then. There's a, I was I was two years old, actually. There was by a the, period of time. Just talking two, about that gave me chills, by the way. I just want to leave it. Yeah. There was a period of time in the 2000s when The Undertaker was Biker Taker. And and it was a fun run. He was, he was riding down to the ring on a bike, mm-hmm. and he was talking. He wasn't the dead man anymore. And Kane beat him in a, in a Buried Alive match. And so leading up to WrestleMania that year was all this stuff of like, you know, Kane was like, he's dead. He's never coming back. Well, all this stuff, you know, and there were all these signs that he was. And when Kane's standing in the ring, like he's dead, he's never coming back. All of a sudden the lights go down. Boom. Boom. Here come the Druids out and everything. And the taker undertaker, the dead man comes back. Oh my gosh. Like just hearing that like just just the bone yeah gave yeah. me chills like yeah. that dude like he was my man yeah man. I, I love him and i love the paul bearer yeah they're coming get you <laughs> be prepared <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> uh, it's real daddy when you feel it it's real baby <laughs> well i don't know where this train just went but it went hey. it went that track and then that track. listen I, the emperor <laughs> is he is a wrestling promo master man you you think about when he's sitting there in front of luke skywalker on the on the death star and he's like let your you know your you like your father are now mine that's like somebody standing up on the, that's like jake mm. the snake roberts sitting there on the microphone saying you're mine now you know you don't even realize it but you're mine i'm going to take you down you're like get him emperor you know and then when he's just young fool only now at the end you know he's just like He's a the emperor's a trash talking, you yes, know, he was joker man. He definitely was a trash talker, my little it, green friend. Yes, episode <laughs> three when he finally starts to let loose the the evil joy that he has when he gets to let loose finally, you know, with the unlimited power and he just with his the with time. his little spin move, his yeah. little twirly spin move. Yeah, yeah. And with and with Yoda, <laughs> with him and Yoda fighting, he's just cackling the whole time. It's like this is the emperor, you know, like he is. He is bad and he's loving it. I will go to my grave saying that Yoda was winning that fight and he turned and tailed and ran. I will go to my grave saying that Yoda was winning that fight. I don't understand why he said, you know, I've lost or failed. I'm like, get your lightsaber back and get in there, man. Get in there, dude. He had the, uh, he had the emperor hanging by the, by the pod and scared poopless. And then he decided to run because the emperor was scared poopless. Mm. He caught he caught the pod and threw it back at him. Literally threw the Senate at him. Literally threw the Senate at him. 
Wouldn't you got any other next topic? Next topic. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. I'm like, me and D Doc will start talking. We'll talk over the other two. Oh, I'm oh, loving man. it. <laughs> okay. I I'm the wimp of the night. I have to cut us short. So we we're gonna we're gonna finish up so we're not going too long because I'm leaving in a little over a week for two weeks with my wife to Italy and, and I want her to still love me. So I need sure. I well, need guys, to have good, concise shows, not pro wrestling shows. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, here's was my plan. I didn't know Alfie wasn't going to be here. I know how much Alfie hates opening things. And I have like 22 vintage collection figures over here that I have nowhere to hang them. And I was going to give him a choice of which one gets open tonight oh, right no, here on you, camera. I was going to just miss it. it me and D-Doc and Alfie are now openers. Oh, nice. Good we deal. are openers now. Yeah. Isn't, are... so isn't it so freeing? It is. It's very yeah. relaxing. although you can see i i do have some in the box still behind me but well, it is I, look, great i've got i've got vintage collection stuff hanging on the wall there because i just like the look of the packaging and but yeah. uh but my days of like feeling like i got to keep things in the box that's why i just got this uh ahsoka black series and like yeah. that was an immediate open i just wanted to see what it looked like and pose it and everything yeah. and yeah i i don't know i've kind of I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, we're not going to have much of a choice about to open them pretty soon with the pack. Yeah, the, the the plastic free pack. I think that's backfiring on Hasbro, though. But ha Joe's got to go. So, no, no, no. Real quick on that one, as you can see, my unopened behind me. So, those are for Frankie because I promised myself when he gets older, I'm not going to keep anything, even the collectibles in the package still. So, Frankie, when he wants the feeling of opening things, he can come to his grandfather's house and open Star Wars toys. Two, I was at Target the other day, and I did see the non-plastic boxes that had been opened up, and people had split them and looked down inside to see what was inside of them, or maybe put other things inside of them, but I saw them sitting on the shelf mm. with the backs already pulled away from the fronts. So a little scary on that. Yeah. A little scary online, on that. Online ordering now is the way to go with that stuff. So. Agreed. Brent, I'm going to start with you. We've had a roller coaster, heck of a ride. Any closing thoughts from you on anything we've hit on? Um, the only closing thoughts is I'm so glad we kept the toy conversation to the last two minutes that we've just been talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, so no, I, I love I love talking Star Wars, and obviously uh, all of our passions go elsewhere. I mean, what do we do? About five to ten minutes on the NFL and college football. Then uh, we, did we did some wrestling. We did some, but at the same time, it all ties back eventually to us chatting about uh, Star Wars and what it made us feel like, right? We were, were all older gentlemen with families um, that talk about Star Wars on a regular basis. And it comes back to because of the way it made us feel and it made us feel like six-year-olds again. Um, and I've been on the hype train for Andor. My only fear is that it's gonna let me down, but I gotta gotta temper my gotta temper my excitement because I really do think this is gonna be a pretty cool show. I agree. I agree. And Brent, none of the three of you believe will believe me, but in my notes, because I'm a show prepper, what kind of feelings does Star Wars give you was on my notes that I never asked, but we discussed. So yeah. D Doc, go with you. Yeah, just to tail off what Brent said, I mean, I thought that was great what Steve was saying earlier about how we're always, you know, in the search to catch those feels uh, that we did get from Star Wars when you first saw it. 
and you know we're getting a lot more content so the opportunity to catch those feels is out there you know i mean i i, I caught it with rogue one and that's why i'm excited for andor and you know uh, we've we've got a lot of we got a lot of star wars on the horizon although the d23 showed us a lot of stuff we knew about already there are star wars shows slated for the next year we've got a lot of content coming so more opportunities to catch those great feelings that star wars gives you agreed mr glossin you and i have spent a good amount of time together this evening any closing thoughts or ideas you have as we say good night yeah, I want to direct everyone to Instagram to to a user named Fathers Figures, and uh, this dude this dude does toy photography, and he is the guy that got me into being an opener first because I wanted to be able to do photography the way he does. He's so creative with a lot of the things he does. He does across the platforms, but he's got some wonderful Star Wars content in his feed. There's a great shot from a few days ago of, uh, of Mandalorian and Grogu walking in the sunset and, um, and the, and the way, yes, it's, it's gorgeous. So i just want to, I want to use my time here to tell everyone to go follow on Instagram father's figures and, uh, give that dude a follow because he is, he's worth your time and he doesn't blow up the feed with too many posts and that sort of thing, but you'll see things from across the different genres, Marvel, turtles sometimes some disney stuff you know um but yeah so i look ultimately i want things to be good i don't hate watch mm -hmm. things i don't look for the flaws in things if the, if i if i come away feeling like something was flawed a lot of times it it was flawed because i'm i'm seeking to be entertained and i'm seeking that feeling i want to feel dusty roads you know standing there doing the doing the promo i want to I want to get pumped up by what I'm seeing. And so, um, so I, I'll give everything, I'll give just about anything a chance. If I feel like I'm interested, we didn't even touch on Lucasfilm, you know, the Willow series that's coming. Come on. I'm excited about that for crying out loud. So Mad Mulligan. Mad yeah. Mulligan. <laughs> I stole the baby while he was taking a pee pee. Um, Laura Bonora. <laughs> Whatever he says. Laura. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for having me. I always enjoy being on here. I'm sorry to derail it and go no, off all the tangents, but but uh, but I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to. No, no worries. And looking forward to the interviews with the hot tubs in the future because I know that's something that you're shooting for. Yeah, the, Brent, he's doing uh, hot tub interviews. So I've got to get my suit ready because we're gonna we're gonna do a, a take in the hot tub. So anyway, guys, this has been so much fun. It's been a blessing. Just had so much fun. I'm trying to prepare myself for vacation, but I did want to get us on here, get some good shows in tonight. You guys have been a blast. Uh, I've loved sitting back and being a listener for part of it because it's made my night. So I don't have to think. I could just sit back and laugh. So um, to all of our followers, to all of our listeners, to the Geek Out Loud followers, to the Steve Glosson followers and listeners, thank you to all of you who, who chime in, listen, give us a chance. And uh, you can always follow us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter and Instagram. Rule the Galaxy podcast on TikTok, Rule the Galaxy only, just Rule the Galaxy, Facebook and YouTube, all caps, Rule the Galaxy on Etsy, and Rule the Galaxy SW at gmail.com. I think we have enough social media. And until next week, may the force be with you.